Hello and welcome to the Island Stories podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Hadfield. Two years ago, I came back to the island looking for a sanctuary. When things got really tough, I came home. Which got me thinking, each and every one of us living here has an island story. And each of my guests is someone with an extraordinary story to tell. This podcast is brought to you with Spence Willard, estate agent selling and letting some of the finest coastal and country property across the island. Each week, we'll be showcasing their property of the week. So stay tuned for that later in the podcast. So let me introduce this week's guest. Lisa Henry, ride resident and curator of fabulous island locations for filming and photography shoots. She's lived here full time now for three years after making the big move from London for, as she puts it, a million reasons. So we're going to unpack some of them. I'm delighted to say she's with me now. Hi, Lisa. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. The first question we always ask on this podcast, very simply, why the island? I just fell in love, I think. Um, Firstly, from a holiday when I was seven years old. And then when we had children, we started bringing them here for holidays. We bought a holiday house here. And the more time we spent, the harder it was to leave. You've described it to me before as a little bit like having an affair because you love (laughs) London. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, that analogy did make sense to me when I was leaving London because I think loads of my friends were sort of looking at me sideways going, what are you doing? And the best way to describe it was, you know, if you're tired of London, you're tired of life. And I wasn't tired of life, but I was tired of London. And it was like I'd fallen in love with somewhere else. So September 2019 is when you arrived. Mm -hmm. Who did you have in tow? Who did you bring with you? Well, I had my husband, uh, Mark, and two sons, Oliver and Charlie, who were 11 and 8 years old at the time. Um, And we had actually very little with us because we hadn't sold our house in London. So we um, literally had our clothes with us. And how did they impact that decision to move down? Oh, it was all about, well, I say it was all about them. Um, It was, we were, you know, we were at a time where we had to make the next decision with regards to going to senior school. And we were in a position where my husband didn't have to be at work at seven o'clock every morning in the city he then worked for himself so we had a bit of flexibility to leave London and the only place that we would have looked at was the Isle of Wight Um, and then we came down here we looked at a school imagined what their life would be like and that was it really. You're an island girl though aren't you but from an island very very far away. Yes probably the furthest away you can imagine Uh, Tasmania I was born. And it was a holiday to Tasmania that made you think perhaps island life was what you were missing? Yeah, there, there, was, there was definitely a moment. It was about five years ago, I think. We were, we, my dad still lives there and he lives on the northwest coast of Tasmania on a house on top of the hill overlooking the water. And I just had a moment looking out to sea and thinking, whoa, this is actually all I need to be happy. There was uh, something about being in nature um, took away all my need for material goods. Well, not all of it, but, um, <laughs> uh, and I thought that was probably healthy for me. And I just, yeah, it was just a real moment and I can still remember it and I can still feel it now when I think about it. And you say that, you know, island life would give you all you needed. Fast forward nearly three years. Has it? And then some. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I mean, gosh, it's been an adventure. There's all sorts of, you know, things that didn't come easy, like, 
moving house you know we thought we'd sell our house in you know a matter of months in London it took a year and a half it was Brexit then we had Covid you know it took us a while to find a house here um so it wasn't it didn't the journey didn't go as planned but actually it probably taught me a lot of things I needed to know I was very caught up in a my identity in my house um, and the whole sort of London thing. And I came here where I couldn't say, this is me, this is my house, this is who I am. I was just here with literally living in a little holiday home without a washing machine. And the kids, you know, had a box each of their toys um, because we just didn't know whether it was going to be a month before the house sold or you just, just didn't know. And then actually realizing after a couple of weeks that nobody was any less happy it was uh yeah it was it it's been really interesting now I grew up near Ride and one of the things I've always thought whenever I've driven around the the town is how amazing the architecture is and there are some brilliant houses here and you live in one of them oh thanks yeah I um yeah we live in a Victorian villa I think you would say it's quite gothic in its architecture outside but it's it, it's really similar to our London house and I think that was a big selling point for us that um, it was a bit of home from home which was really important for the kids I don't think we were quite ready to do proper countryside although I can see in my later years I might do that with chickens and yeah proper fresh air and what's ride living like oh brilliant love it I when I remember when we first came to ride about 10 years ago, we went for a meal somewhere and I remember driving through going, Ooh, wouldn't want to live here. And the last time I said that we lived was in Streatham in London and we lived there for 20 years. So I should have known then at the time we'd end up here. It's absolutely brilliant. It's a really vibrant place in, well, for the island it is. It's, it's got a real melting pot of people. It's got some great independent shops. It's, it's got its own identity, very much so. And because it is so easy to get to London, you've really got, oh, I, don't, I don't know how to describe, best describe the vibe, actually. Open. And friends? Have you made lots of friends? Oh, literally, within about six weeks, I was like, wow, I think <laughs> I've met everyone I need to know now. Uh, it, it's really expatty here, I think. Um, there was a lot of families who'd moved down from London previous to us, and we got introduced by friends and the school put us in touch with people and luckily our youngest was at primary school so we still had you know the school gates kind of thing so beautiful house and um, that brings me on to one of your great passions which is interior design and there's so much scope for it even just in this house I can see your little personal touches we're sitting in um, Lisa's house and she was just pointing out a rather strange sort of bull's head that um, <laughs> she wants her husband to hang on the wall tell me about that uh bought that <laughs> I'm left it on his pillow by the way to remind him to hang it up um I bought that on my 40th birthday weekend in Brighton but the house is full of amazing little touches and that's something that you have had an interest in a long for a long time yeah I really really am nuts on interior design um and did spend some time before I got here oh working in interior design and I did a college course after my youngest started school having sort of bought and done up a few houses um it just yeah you, you know it gets under your skin and I just you know whenever I go into a room I clock you know I can usually clock what the wallpaper is what the color is what the, where the lights are from and yeah 
I just, I'm very, very sensitive to my surroundings. So you moved down here and the first thing you did was to set up a film location agency. So you curate different amazing places on the island for things like filming and photography. But what was it about the Isle of Wight that, that made you come up with that idea? Okay, it was not my plan when I got here. I was going, planning on continuing in interior design and I got introduced to somebody with regards to an interior design job and when I went to visit the property, I was like, whoa, this would make the most amazing film location. And the owner said, yeah, they, they thought so too, uh, but didn't really know quite how to go about it. And that was the job I had done in London before um, I had children. And I came away from the meeting just inspired and I started driving around. I mean, I'd only been here a couple of weeks and everywhere I looked, I was like, wow, that would be a good location and that would be a good location. And nobody had done it. And I just saw how untapped it was. And I asked advice from various people and they all said, go for it. The company's called Lobster Locations and I was having a little peek at the website um, earlier and it says, uh, quoting you, we have miles of sandy beaches, hidden coves, chalk cliffs, beautiful river estuaries and many places where you feel like you could be anywhere in the world. The island has everything from ancient castles, stately homes, forts, Victorian homes to modern houses and beach huts. And then something about the weather. What is it about this, this island's weather that makes it a good place for filming? Ah, Thank you. Glad you asked. Well, bizarrely, which I didn't know before I got here, but we actually have an extra hour's daylight to London approximately every day. Which makes a huge difference. Which makes a huge difference. So, you know, you get a you get a longer filming day. And I think that light is massively important in creating if you look at Cornwall where all the artists sort of went to St Ives actually when you look at the island's history we've got all sorts of artist uh, history here with uh, 18th century 19th century people in Bond Church flocked here from London to paint and in fresh water and so I think it has always encouraged people but yeah, now we we would like to encourage the filmmakers to come. So just tell me some of the examples. I know it's a really diverse range of properties and locations that you represent. Okay. Um, okay, I'll tell you about Fort Redoubt, which is the building I was um, first telling you about, which to me is, um, I'm quite sentimental about that because I actually used to have an old coffee shop and I remember going up there for afternoon too, my grandma when I was seven. But it is the most incredible location. It is so many places in one. It's this beautiful, beautiful fort, uh, Napoleonic fort up on the edge of a cliff where you can watch sunrise, sunset. I mean, the views are just spectacular. And again, actually, you could be anywhere up there. Yeah, there are, you know, if you look one way, the landscapes are identifiable. But if you look another way, for example, in The Beast Must Die, um, they made it look like Sydney Harbour. Um, and then also in that building, you've got a Caponnier building, which is a fortified building within a moat. And that has been um, decorated and to be uh, a holiday let. But inside it is stunning and is like a Shoreditch apartment. The exterior of that Caponnier could be like a French farmhouse. Um, you've got uh, the old coffee shop there, which, uh, again, that was used in The Beast Must Die and that was used as... Um, detective's apartment so there's all sorts of places here that you know we really can make look like London 
Um, oh, we've got fields that look like the Midwest. There's, there's just everything here. So I'm just really interested in how this works. So I've got a house on the island. It's not a very big house, but if I wanted to advertise that to use as a location, how would that work? Okay, so we come and meet you. Um, and then what, you know, what we really want to do is be realistic with people. So, you know, you don't want to say to somebody, oh, this will be amazing and we're going to get you loads and loads of work. If, you know, filmmakers want big spaces, but it's, it, it's really, really quite a unique industry because you can't, it's not, you're not selling your house like you are for an estate agent. You are giving somebody the space to do what they want to create in. So for example, in my last house, which I let out, I, my dining room was emptied and turned into the interior of a dog's kennel. Um, so it, it might be that somebody wants a lifestyle property. So they might say, okay, we've got this drama and we need a family home. Or for example, in The Beast Must Die, they wanted a psychiatrist lounge. I'd looked at a house, a big Victorian house in Ride, um, and I just knew that that room was, would make, you know, a brilliant psychiatrist lounge. So having the experience is great because I have worked on loads of things from, you know, Miss Marple to Vogue to magic cleaning dusters. So you do know what people look for. And also having had people in my own house, you know that you've got to detach a little bit. I feel like locations is the bit that when you're watching TV or you're looking at a photo shoot, you don't really think about being a thing. You don't really think about the industry and the people working behind finding those places, making sure that they're set up right. But it's a huge industry. Yeah, it's, it is huge. And a lot of people, um, you know, make quite a, a, a good living out of letting their houses out. It's, you know, it can be quite destructive. So our job as an agent is to make the owners feel looked after, basically, that there's somebody on their side. So, you, you know, you are letting people know um, what to expect realistically, but also you know, that you are there to make sure that they've got somebody to talk to if they've got any concerns and to be the go-between between them and the production company because, you know, the homeowner is thinking that I just want my house looked after. Please, please love it. And the production company are coming in and going, right, we need this shot. We've got this person for four hours. This needs doing. And, and there's all, anything can be thrown at you. And when I say anything, I mean, anything can be thrown at you. Up again, um, up at Fort Riddell on a shoot, the um, all the catering because of COVID had to be in a marquee in the field next to it, and a cow got in and started stealing breakfast. <laughs> Cheeky Isle of Wight cow, and um, an unused bomb had been found um, somewhere on the island, and the navy had to come and um, dispose of it in the sea so that had to stop shooting that's not out of the ordinary on this island really is (laughs) it so you know it it is about expecting the um the unexpected managing that and just making sure that people's homes are put back I was about to ask has anyone's home been absolutely trashed before god no not on my watch thankfully but you know um again in my house in London when they did that shoot with the dog's kennel which was for a big Christmas catalogue um my sofa was put into the market in the back garden and a fox ate a corner of it and presumably you got some kind of yeah, oh yeah there. everything everything was um you know we found an upholsterer and everything was fixed and you know they threw in an extra cushion but it's it's you know that sort of thing is you know that takes management as well 
So I wanted to talk to you about the film industry on the island more widely because I know you are one of its big champions. You know, as soon as I met you, you started telling me all about the filming on this island and the, the opportunities. But you, you do think it is a real opportunity for the island, don't you? Oh, massively. I really do. It's, it's, a, bu- it's a brilliant thing because it's win-win for everybody. I mean, screen tourism is massive. Just, I mean, I suppose if you look at places that are comparable to here, you probably look at Cornwall. So something like Doc Martin or Poldark. I mean, Poldark, let's yeah, yeah let's, should have started with that. <laughs> that would have been nice but, um, if they'd film that here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poldark, you can come here. Um, <laughs> it, it brings in lots of revenue. It gives people work from areas that you just don't imagine you know not only is it for taxi drivers restaurant owners b&b owners you've got hss hire shop you've got you know everywhere needs equipment the um shops need you know have lent props there's um extras there's actors i mean it is it is it's huge and i think it's a really um on a small island where you haven't got a city, it's great for young people to see as well. Yeah, opportunity mm. for young people, which yeah. is something we we really need, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And it's it it really does. It becomes part of somewhere's history, actually. Yeah, cultural history. Mm. And I I think of New Zealand in that as well. Yeah. I think of you know Lord of the Rings, it's probably the like best that. example. Yeah. yeah. So we did have a massive production here over lockdown, which you've mentioned a couple of times. The Beast Must Die, and I know you worked on that. A little bit what was that like well that was <laughs> that was bonkers because we just literally just started lobster I didn't have a website or anything but met up with the guys and um showed them around quite a few places they were a really really cool production actually but it was covid so we couldn't go on set um you know every meeting was at arm's length um but again that was brilliant for the island and um and and it was brilliant for our first job. There's a quote on your website from the location manager from The Beast Must Die. It says, the crew have loved working on the Isle of Wight and haven't missed sitting in traffic jams on the M25. That must be a good selling point. Yeah, it's huge. And for a variety of reasons, actually. A, the logistics of just getting from point A to point B is much, much easier. Everywhere here is sort of, you know, maximum half an hour away. But also it, it's, it makes for a pleasurable life. You know, every drive here is beautiful. There's, you know, especially the military road. And I, we've just done a, um, an online seminar with Albert, who are BAFTA's sort of sustainability arm. And actually the biggest carbon footprint from filming is all through travel secondary to everything else and if that can be minimized then again the island is fantastic for that you know you can come here rather than go abroad every single one of our beaches has got its own identity you know you just got to go to Priory Bay and you're like whoa this is like being in the Caribbean you can go to you know uh, Colwell Bay that could be Australia we really 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 are two two and a half hours away from London so if somebody's living in London and filming somewhere during the week you know this is super duper easy to get home the only thing that I would say is a bit of a fly in the ointment is the ferries right yeah yeah living here now I know that that's psychological but the ferries are massively on board so White Link are sponsoring Film White our film commission here we deal with Red Funnel and Hover Travel and 
they are giving free travel to location managers so it really is very encouraging that the, the ferries are all behind what we're trying to do and um, making things work and giving trade how much does it come up in conversations when you're when you're talking to production companies how much does it come up as something that worries them getting across to the island and what kind of solutions there are Okay, so first of all, there is always a solution. Um, but for example, hover the hovercraft was being used in a big uh, Channel Four uh, show last year, and th- you know that is susceptible to the wind. So you know if the hovercraft is cancelled, then they will put you. They've got a great relationship with White Link, so they will get you onto the catamaran. But the car ferries always run apart from extreme circumstances. And if there is an extreme weather situation, then you always know that in advance and you can either get here the day before or the day after. It's funny how I was chatting to Lisa about Ride having the most amazing architecture. Our Spence Willard property of the week is a truly gorgeous example. A grade two listed Georgian house with huge windows and a beautiful veranda. Inside, this eight-bedroom house has been stylishly renovated and the living areas all enjoy fabulous high ceilings. The views are extraordinary. You can see right across the Solent and the house has south-facing walled gardens. There's even gated access to the beach shared with your neighbours. To find out more about this property or any others, do contact our sponsors, Spence Willard. All of their details can be found in the show notes. Let's go back then to life before living here, right back, because you are, to me, that brilliant example that your school career does not define your success in life. Thank you very much, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I attended the University of Life. So how did it all begin? How did you get into film production? Oh, okay, very, very long story. I'll try and cut it really short. I watched My Family and Other Animals, um, the Gerald Dowell series on TV when I was 12. And at the end of the show, I was watching the credits and it said location manager. And I just went, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to travel the world, finding films for settings. So you knew age 12 what you were going to end up doing? Yeah, but I didn't. I mean, I had no idea what it really involved or... Um, but yeah, it, it that was the first and only thing that ever really, really captured my imagination. And then it kind of came back, didn't it? So you, after school, you moved to Brighton. You said you had £200 in your pocket. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> but what I love is that you, you went to the beach one morning to watch the sunrise with a mate and talked your way into your first job in locations. I did. There was a big film set there. There was one man on the beach. I went and said, have you got any jobs? And he just happened to be the location manager. And I started the next day. And for ages, I felt like I was walking six inches above the ground. It was, yeah, it was It was definitely one of my life's moments. It's that feeling as well, isn't it, where you really don't know what you're doing, but you love it so much that you put everything into it. I know that he asked you that morning whether you could drive and you had a brilliant response. Uh, no, but I had rollerblades. <laughs> I can't wasn't even very good at that. <laughs> no, me neither. So you did that for a while and then you went back to London, yep. joined a production company. What kind of work were you doing in the production company? So I then, it, it was quite hard actually, because I'd had like a really nice position on this production and um, done all sorts of things running around and then I came back and I got a job as a receptionist um, sitting down all day in a post-production company um, which really wasn't me actually. 
that was for TV commercials and music videos. I, I, I needed to be out and about. But you've done all sorts of things, haven't you? You've done really loads of bar work, which you said is really good training. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, I, when I left school, I went and worked in a wine bar as a waitress. And, you know, after, uh, that was brilliant fun because of all the people who worked there. But, you know, after a while, it, it was very tedious and very boring. I was desperate to get out. But looking back, it did teach me everything that I needed, you know, for, for the next job. You have even worked in recruitment, but while you were doing that job the perfect job came in yeah so I worked for a really cool company um we were the only production we were the only recruitment agency in London doing specifically uh production recruitment and I went to sign on actually to uh, for her to find me a job and she said you know well why don't I I'm looking for somebody and I think you might be quite well suited to this do you fancy it and I thought yeah no I do actually I like the idea of finding people jobs um but if my ideal job came in, I, I knew I had to be able to say, actually, I want this. And luckily, it did come in, but after two years. But And what was that perfect job? That amazing job was for a company called Amazing Space, which was a location agency in central London, in Farringdon. And it was split into sort of two sections. One was residential, one was commercial industrial. And I worked for the commercial industrial side of the pro- the business and we looked after just amazing buildings all over London like the Ark at Hammersmith, um, empty offices, churches, rooftops, children's prisons, uh, empty hospital you know just anything you can imagine and I traveled all over London and I met the most interesting people and I you know I worked on everything from feature films to music videos we did a, I remember we did a James Blunt um, video in an office block that I was looking after and it was empty and they plugged in the I don't know how they did it but the all the lights in the whole office moved to the beat of the music you know just yeah we we just did some really cool things and actually you also had your house in London and you used that for 15 years as a location yeah so I then realized from the residential side you know how how lucrative it could be um for you know renting out your own house so actually we were moving and I'm made sure that we found a house that was film friendly because I wanted I thought you know I will I wanted to have a family then and I could be a stay-at-home mum but let the film yeah let the house out as well and you had some really big clients Disney Amazon Coca-Cola yeah we had some really cool things we had uh, Amazon came in and did their one of their Alexa ads and they painted the whole of our top floor black Uh, we had Mo Gilligan in for Coca-Cola we did a next Christmas shoot. We did a car ad. Yeah, all sorts. And in a way, that probably gave you the idea for Lobster Locations when you came down here. Yeah, totally. It it was one of those moments coming here where everything you've ever done all of a sudden makes sense. So with Lobster Locations, you've got a business partner and a really great friend, Rowan. So I had a quick chat with her earlier because I wanted to find out a bit more about you. She says she loves working with you. It was all good. Um, We complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. She describes you as laid back. She's not a stress merchant. Um, One of the things I wanted to know from her, because when when I came back to the island, I, I can't tell you how many different people and still do say, oh my goodness, you've got to meet Lisa from Lobster. 
to locations. And I say, no, I know her, I know her. <laughs> but, you know, we were introduced um, a year ago and it seems like you know everyone on this island and you haven't been here that long. So how, how have you done that? Mm, well, I think maybe in Australia they call it being a sticky beak. I just <laughs> love meeting people. And I think due to the nature of my job, I get to meet people from lots of different walks of life so I think if you were if you had you know one job and went into one building I meet property owners I meet farmers I meet industry people I meet people from all sorts of walks of life and you love connection and Rowan says that you always meet people and you're so kind you keep things in your head and then you connect people so you'll remember a detail that they've said and then think oh you must meet so-and-so is that is that something you try and do or is that just come completely naturally oh yeah I don't consciously I don't yeah I don't I think I'm too old to be consciously trying to be something now but yeah I am um, yeah thanks Rowan <laughs> <laughs> so what what she said you're ambitious so what ambitions do you have for your life on the island the mark you want to make here I want to leave a really positive mark here um and I said before this is a win-win so oh I would love I would love to bring some really really good productions here to add to the cultural history of the island to bring work in for people I would love to be in a position in a couple of years to be able to employ people full-time yes big dreams so finally on every episode we ask all of our guests a quick fire round of five things about the island so Lisa are you ready yes okay number one favorite place to eat or grab a coffee this is really hard because there are so many places just to, to choose from. Just to let you know, Lisa has <laughs> rung me twice to say, can I can I have three options, breakfast, lunch or dinner? No. Can I have an east white and a west white option? Absolutely not. So Lisa, one place. Okay, ready for it? <laughs> it's the Dell. I love the Dell. Yay! <laughs> because that is uh, probably where I go the most. It's a local. beach local beach cafe that does really nice food as well. And it is just at the end of the most beautiful beach walk. And then you can sit down, you can watch the sunset from there. And I love it. Yeah, halfway between my home in Seabury yes. and your home in Ryde. And we have bumped into each other there. Several before. times. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you went for the east-white option on, the, on this occasion. Okay, number two, best place for a walk, swim or meditation? Okay, again, tough call because I could have gone for any of those answers. But I think walk, low tide, ride through to Priory Bay. Yeah, absolute mm. favourite of mine. Uh, number three, favourite island activity? being in the water I have been lucky enough to join a mental bunch of lovely ladies um, and I swim with them as many times a week as I can in Seaview and you swam the Solent last oh, year oh yeah I did swim the Solent um, but there is nothing like being in the water as the sun's rising in at number four, which island charity is closest to your heart? Easy peasy, Aspire Ride they are the most phenomenal charity doing literally amazing things for everybody who needs them, for the young and the old. And number five, what do you love most about this island of ours? I think it is literally just being here. I, every day when I'm out and about, I'm like, wow, I live here. And it's just about enjoying its beauty. So that moment of realisation, this is your home. 
yeah and it yeah it is it is my home now yeah that's that's definitely a feeling I can share well Lisa thank you so much it's been amazing to get to know you better and hear your island story a big thank you to Spence Willard the estate agent selling and letting some of the finest coastal and country properties across the island for helping us bring you this podcast I'm Harriet Hadfield my producer is Alex Warren you'll find us on Instagram at island stories podcast and please do tune in next week for more island stories